1: Winbet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the Winbet app now, or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Elliott for the touchdown, Cowboys lead. Nine seconds left. Looking to throw wide.
2: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the October 14th episode, and as always, we are here to help you win those fantasy football matchups this week, week six. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at RandallRand, and I am so excited today to have one of the great people in the industry, a guy who's grinded his way to the top to the point he's at now john hesterman he's a writer for dl football you can get dfs information on fantasy pros he's in scott fishbowl he's all over the place and he's built his brand from the bottom up just the way we like to see it follow him on twitter at john underscore hesterman john it's great to have you on buddy welcome to the mailbag
1: Dude Mike, thank you for the intro. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. This is uh this is uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm thrilled to be joining you.
2: What I love John is you did it the right way. So many people will DM and send me emails and say, "How do I get involved in fantasy football? How do I get started?" You're one of the best success stories out there, a grinder, DL football, fantasy pros, all the great stuff you're doing now. And now you're in the industry talking and meeting and being on podcasts and writing and doing all that great stuff. Just tell everybody how you got started and how you got to this point where you're at right now.
1: You know what? It's uh, it's kind of a humble beginning story and I've got to give some credit to my wife here because I've always been a writer. That's always been a passion of mine. And I spent the majority of my life thinking I was going to write books and novels and be successful and, uh, and at, during that transition time of trying to make that a, a reality, uh, I was working, you know, a normal job and uh, fantasy football became a big thing in my life. And so I'm sitting there one day, I'm hunched over the computer, my wife comes home and I'm reading something about football and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm reading about fantasy football. She goes, let me ask you something. She goes, you've got this passion for writing, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, you've got this passion for fantasy football, right? I said, yeah. She goes, why aren't you writing about fantasy football? And I stared at her like an idiot. (laughs) I didn't have an answer. So I I actually started my own blog first and um, started researching and writing on my own and started putting stuff on Twitter that I hadn't really used up until that point. And I get uh, a random DM from a site called Last Word on Sports, and that they were looking for writers. And I accepted a position. I told them I had no formal experience, um, and they they took me on. And the editors were very patient. Um, I did get like I think a three page edit on my first thing, but that's okay. That's okay. We all learn. And uh, from there, the the opportunities just kept coming. I got an opportunity to work with FF Statistics. And got to write for them for a while. And then when they were acquired by DLF, uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, I got the chance to write with them. And they were grateful enough to take me on. The biggest thing I've learned through all of this is, and it goes back to when I was in high school. Um, as a freshman, I played on the varsity squad. And I would, I would love to tell you that it's because I was an awesome pitcher. I would love to tell you that, but that's not accurate. The truth is I was the only lefty they had and you got to, you got to get a lefty up there. So my first day in practice, I realized that it was like Sesame street. One of these things doesn't look like the other. One of these does not belong. (laughs) Okay. And that thing was me. So I went to the coach afterwards and I, he goes, how was your first day? I said, these guys are awesome. I was like, I am not near where these guys are. How do I get to that point? And he told me something that stuck with me for the rest of my life. If you want to be better, play with people better than you. And I've been able to do that everywhere I've been, um, from the editors and writers that I worked with at, at uh, Last Word on Pro Football, to FF Statistics, to Dynasty League, and now with Fantasy Pros as well. I'm surrounded by awesome talent, and it just it, it makes me want to be better.
2: Uh oh, listen, and you fit right in, man. And don't worry about the three page of edits. I've told this story. My first ever fantasy football article is why Dallas made a mistake drafting Ezekiel Elliott. So please, I, you know, it's going to be <laughs> totally wrong with your take. And it's all downhill from there. But listen, man, it's, it's great to have yarn. And let's dive right in. Marlon Mack is getting showcased here John there are some interesting teams that could use a running back what do you think about Marlon Mack's destination because he's a guy who could really be a lead back on a team that needs one and that could have fantasy implications end of the year in the playoffs
1: yeah completely agree and if if they they were very obviously shopping him last night Um, he looked great in that game. They featured him enough and he, he did really, really well with what he had. He put up uh 47 yards on five carries last night against a Baltimore defense is pretty solid. He John, he
2: was in the Millie maker winner. He was the last guy
1: taken. Yep. 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 He's he's, he was absolutely on fire and they were shopping him. So honestly, the, the most obvious, and I think I tweeted this the other, uh, this morning, actually Kansas city, um, they're, they're in a position of need right now, and I don't know that the backups, the, the backup running backs they have there, can carry the kind of workload that they want. So it's going to be shifting things around. I think he'd be a good fit for that offense. I think he's the type of player that would fit well uh, behind that line. Um, another, I I think Baltimore has kind of completed their collection of, of ancient running backs and he doesn't quite fit that mold. I think he's got the talent to overtake any of them on a consistent heavy basis, but they're not a one back two back system. They're going to keep mixing it up. So I I think the most obvious is Kansas City. Uh, They're in a position of need, and he could fill that role, and I think he'd fit the offense really well.
2: You know, Darrell Williams is not going to be a three-down back. We know that. He's a short yardage guy, gets a couple key yards here and there. And Jarek McKinnon, fine, he's a change-of-pace guy, but can't be trusted. They tried to give him a workload last year, John, San Francisco. He ended up, like, slowing down after three weeks. That's a great spot. Folks, if you were getting this and somehow Marlon Mack did not get picked up I would pick him up and stash him because he goes to Kansas City and you may have just gotten yourself a key piece to a championship. This will drop, John, on Thursday morning. So let's talk the Thursday night game, Buccaneers and Eagles. A lot of storylines here. I did the uh, Fantasy Pros podcast with Dan Harris today and I brought this up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have allowed to opposing quarterbacks a grand total of 13 rushing yards on nine attempts this year <laughs> they're going against Jalen Hurts who has the second most rushing yards of any quarterback this year so something's got to give Miles Sanders is he ever going to show up my Scott Fishbowl team is five and zero, oh, but Miles Sanders could you get going here so I'm curious Hurts Tampa Bay defense Tampa offense Miles Sanders what do you think here for Thursday night
1: well, let's get started with the most obvious, and I think the one that's frustrating, the most people, the most managers out there that have this player and this Miles Sanders. It started out great. Season opener, I believe it was 15 carries. He was averaging about 4.9 yards a clip, had five targets. So we're talking 20 opportunities week one. Looks awesome. Plug him in, lock it down, and it's been downhill ever since. Now they're going against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense that, like you said, is not allowing yards on the ground, so you can script him out right away. will is starting to be preferred option on third downs and passing plays. He's getting more involved. Yes, last week was a down week, but it's a down week for the offense as a whole, and therefore game script kind of dictates how they operate. So this game is really going to be dependent on which version of Hurts do we see. Do we see the version that comes out and can throw 300 yards and, and have – better command on that accuracy throughout the game, not just in short spurts. So I think it really comes down to, it's going to be in the arm first of Jalen Hurts and his legs second. I know that's this kind of his backup plan is, is to scramble around and, and make plays happen with his, with his legs, which he's done. And he's currently averaging right around 273 through the air. He's got 200, 300 yard plus games. So far the bucks can be challenged if you abandon the run and really focus on that secondary. And I think if he goes out there and he does that, that gives him a better opportunity, which means Gainwell is probably the the preferred option as far as the running back room goes. I don't think Miles Sanders is going to get anything done. He's not been utilized to his full potential. He does have receiving in his repertoire. It just hasn't been utilized by two coaching staffs now.
2: You know, it's going to be interesting. Weird stuff always happens in DFS on Thursday night. I mean, what are we going to have? The Greg Ward game? Is that going to be the captain? Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. Interesting with the snap shares. Sanders, first five weeks, 66, 67, 60, 64, 75. Gainwell, 35, 33, 31, 39, and 24. But Miles Sanders has just not produced. He is 28th among running backs in rushing yards, receiving yards. He's 23rd. Uh, he, touchdowns. He has not scored yet. And it's just, they're, they're going to use him. I mean, he's out there. He's just not producing as far as the, the DFS play. What do you think is Zach Ertz? Cause Dallas Goddard now. looks like he's going to be out. He's on the COVID protocol. Zach Ertz folks. Could he be the star captain in the DFS game?
1: Z- Zach Ertz is actually uh, someone that I had written down uh, to be part of something I'm putting out a little bit later on this week, just because the price point didn't Get adjusted for Dallas Goddard being out, so he's he's at a pretty good price point right now, and someone I'd I'd look at plugging in, especially in that Thursday night matchup. He's kind of the preferred like the safety blanket, the short yarder dump off guy. Um, so he's definitely someone I would be looking at for that Thursday night matchup, and I. I I feel like I've got to abandon Miles Sanders for this week. At the price point he's at, there's no way he's hitting 3X with the workload he's been getting, so he's a stay away from me.
2: Solve the Rubik's Cube that is the Tampa Bay receivers. I actually did not play Antonio Brown a lot last week. Bad decision by me because I was of this theory from just observing that when they're in a blowout game, they sort of save Antonio Brown for the big games, and if he makes that catch against the Patriots in the end zone, they cover, I think, which is interesting, but do you have a choice here for a Buccaneer receiver in the Thursday night matchup?
1: With that secondary being the way they are, I believe they're going to be more susceptible to what Mike Evans can produce, which is kind of a long breakaway. Um, Godwin is capable of the same thing, but at the same time, he's going to have more coverage on him uh, uh, across the middle of the field where he lines up. So I believe at this point you've you've really got to look at Mike Evans as being the probable uh, target, not target hog, but the the one to come down with the high value targets, the deeper shots, the, uh, the end zone looks. I believe that's going to be Mike Evans this week. It's hard to count Antonio Brown out based on what he's done in the games that he has played, but, uh, but I kind of like Mike Evans this week.
2: Week six waiver wire targets. I'm starting to think that it's getting a little thin there, John. But is there, are there some values that you still think are, are are out there? You know, particularly at some of those one-off spots like tight end, where it's so hard to find someone. Any values this week you see on the waiver wire?
1: So there, there are some. Um, we had another bad injury. You know, Max. Uh, Max oh, killed me. But yeah, yeah he was me. just starting to come on and really be, you know, a force to be reckoned with, and then to go out you know, after really hitting that relevant mark and being someone you felt comfortable plugging in on a weekly basis. So as far as the tight ends, there's there's still – there's such a huge drop-off and it's just such a desolate position at times. There's no one that I really trust there. Yeah, it is starting to thin out because what we're seeing now is we're seeing short timeline high fab bids, right? So you've got players like Devontae Booker and Daryl Williams that are going to be – they're, they're going to go for big fab right now, but they've got a short shelf life. So you're, you're paying in this large premium for a two to three, two to four week uh, relevant period. Whereas players like I think like Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert might have more longer uh, timeline of being being relevant. There's still some players out there. People have dropped players like um, Rondale Moore. You know, and this has got, it kind of feels like the Tony thing, like Kadarius Tony, like he's going to be a big waiver wire ad this week. And it's the same scenario as what we saw a couple of weeks ago with Rondale Moore. He's going to go for a lot of money and he might hit, he might not. Um, I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later on, but as far as, as, you know, tight ends or relevant running backs, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards Damian Williams right now, because I think they're going to, they're going to utilize Herbert Damian Williams kind of combination i think williams with the ppr upside is probably my preferred option there the rest you know, of them I, like i'm kind of staying away from the booker and the daryl williams thing because i just think it's going to be a short timeline
2: let's get into amy williams for a second then we'll get to tony that's fine because I, I want to talk about him so Khalil herbert here's the thing bears we probably could have predicted this with the chaos going on with the raiders right now bears go out it was never close 14 three at time ended up being 29 bears went on the road with Raiders. Khalil Herbert, 18 carries, 75 yards, 16 carries for Williams. Now Williams effective in the, in the receiving game, two receptions, 20 yards. He can get more, but is Herbert greater than Williams moving forward? Listen, Monty's going to be out for a while. And this is a team that is not going to pass that much. I saw that uh, JJ Zacharyson put out this week that in the last three games, Devonte Adams has 45 targets in the last three games the entire pass catching group on the bears has 57 targets so it's yeah. going to be a run heavy yeah. offense where do you value herbert versus williams
1: in it what it, here's the short answer is i really like herbert in both formats but in dynasty i definitely want to stake my claim on herbert because i do think you've got a longer timeline to to use him than damian williams for redraft i kind of feel the same way because i think he proved enough on the workload he got, and what he did with it, that that he can achieve that that one-two role fairly effectively. And Damian Williams, I believe we've seen Damian Williams before. He's great in spurts, and then he kind of wears down. And so my, my money's kind of on Herbert there.
2: This question has taken on a life of its own. Favorite type of morning juice, a cranberry, orange, grapefruit, or Sean Siegel's favorite, pineapple?
1: I'm actually a, a cranberry fan. Cranberry nice. is is, is kind of, yeah, that's kind of my favorite. But uh, orange juice is, is not bad either. And occasionally, yeah, the pineapple juice is great. I like that better in the afternoon, though.
2: Yep. And I love it. Uh, pineapple, of course, in a beverage or two uh, at the night when I'm enjoying some football. The Nothing ju- wrong with
1: that. Nothing wrong with that.
2: Not at all. The Juju Smith-Schuster fallout in Pittsburgh. I believe, John, that Pittsburgh turned a corner. I think that they got the running game going, like 122 yards for Najee Harris against a difficult Denver defense. Here comes Seattle, an Ole defense against the run. Sunday night football, Heinz Field, you'll have Roethlisberger. I don't think Juju is a huge loss. I don't. I think James Washington steps in. I think Najee gets more receptions. What's the juju fallout? Is Pat Friermuth now a better option in Pittsburgh? Because this is a high pass volume offense that can really make some make some noise here late in the year.
1: Yeah, I think you hit everything that I had written down that I was going to talk about. So James Washington knows the playbook. Uh, he has to trust of Ben Roethlisberger. I think he gets an immediate bump. But I really think the biggest impact is going to be uh, Pat Friermuth and Najee Harris because they can operate that short to intermediate middle of the field routes. Ah, uh, the low A dot stuff that Juju mostly, you know, handled. So I think those two are going to be the biggest recipients of that trickle down effect. But I do think it opens the door for Washington to get more playing time. And did, they added Anthony Miller. Was it Anthony Miller they added yep, to the practice looking, squad? Yep.
2: Did they add him? So, I know they were talking about it. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think they added him to the practice squad. If that's if that's the case, he's going to get elevated pretty quickly. I don't know how quickly he's going to acclimate necessarily to the playbook, which means for the time being, it's it's James Washington uh, as the third kind of option. But I think Friar and Najee are both going to be big time recipients of that short yardage uh, area of the field.
2: I was at a wedding this summer uh, with uh, the one, my friend, you know, Scott Burke was there and yeah. I was telling him Najee Harris should be the number two overall pick in redraft. And, you know, him being a Steelers fan, he's very excited. And I said, look, I'm telling you, the volume, the consistency, there was a couple issues. You can argue Cook, of course, but he gets injured a lot. Of course, I put CMC first. But Najee Harris, he's going to eat, and I think he's in a great spot right now in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, he is. And and two might be a little rich for my blood, but being in the top five, I'm absolutely on board with top five for all the reasons you just mentioned. It's guaranteed. We know what Mike Tomlin wants to do with a running back. He wants a running back out there for for 85 to 90% of the snaps in all situations, both passing and rushing. So yeah, I I love not, especially in Dynasty. Dynasty, you need to be looking at him as being an absolute top top three, top five option.
2: All right, John, the next section we'll call, am I crazy? I'm going to give you an argument, and I want you to tell me, am I crazy for thinking this, or is there some logic to it? I think people in seasonal leagues with a deep bench should pick up Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are going to have to ride with Garoppolo. He is someone, when he's in the game versus when he's out the game, I use the Rotoviz Game Splits app. You can just tell the difference here, their win percentage with and without him, how the offense goes. There is a five point differential. I use the team splits app, which is great here in Rotoviz. Five point differential from what they score to what they give up when Jimmy Garoppolo plays. Their schedule at the end of the year, week 15, 16, and 17 for San Francisco, home Atlanta at Tennessee, home Houston. Jimmy G in that 2019 season had three games of four touchdown passes. It's coming, John. And if you can keep him on the bench, those are very friendly matchups. I know they like to run. Jeff Wilson's coming back. Jimmy G, stash him for the playoffs. Crazy or not crazy?
1: Okay, there is some logic here, but my <laughs> init- my gut reaction was you're crazy, and I'll kind of I'll kind of tell you why. <laughs>
2: there, that's, that's that's what we want, John. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying complete lunatic, but you're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> so far this season he's got one game over 300 yards and two below he's got one game with more than one passing touchdown he's got two interceptions he's got three fumbles in a 12 team kind of standard single quarterback league he's a, he's on the streaming radar so if he stays on that streaming radar and people aren't picking him up yes absolutely pick him up before those last three weeks of the season and make your run if you're trying to sit and hold him and you've got a shallow bench. I want to look elsewhere. I want to stream plus matchups. I'm also worried about the short leash. I think he's got a short leash with Trey Lance looming behind him. We know that he offers something different with his legs. We know he's got a cannon for an arm, but it all comes down to game management and Jimmy G can do that. But I want to stream the position until we get closer to that mark.
2: That's very fair, guys. I mentioned some of the great tools here at Rotoviz: Game Splits, Team Splits app. So many great things. Just a reminder, Rotoviz listeners, you guys can receive ten percent off a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Apply the discount code rvradio Radio twenty twenty one at checkout. Go to Rotoviz backslash podcast for further information. Second one, John, crazy not crazy. I think the Colts are going to make a run in the AFC South. I'm fading the public on this in the preseason. Something like 98% of the bets at FanDuel were on the Titans to win the AFC South. The Colts had a horrible loss against Baltimore. They really needed it badly. Not good. Now they have to come home. They play a Houston team. Tennessee has to play the Bills. I think the Colts are going to make a run. I believe in Frank Reich. I think the offense was struggling. The defense will get better, and I think they had some tough losses early on. Crazy not crazy that the Colts are going to make this interesting late in the year in the AFC South.
1: It's not crazy. It's not. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of align with you on this one, and, <laughs> and, I, and here's what it comes down to, is the Colts have a more complete team than the Titans do right now. And the Titans are the biggest hurdle they have to face in that in that particular division. Their defense is terrible, the Titans. The, the Colts are improving. We saw that offense start to click last night. That was a tough game to play against Baltimore, in Baltimore, against that defense. And Reich and Wentz were kind of on point. You saw Wentz obviously have a little bit more mobility. He's starting to feel better. That they looked good in spurts last night. The second half was not as pretty, but uh, I expect them to build on a tough loss, a close game, and head to the right direction. Are head the right direction? I believe they've got a shot at making a run in this division.
2: One and four, two games behind Tennessee right now. But the spread on this game is Indianapolis minus ten. Recency bias says, wait a minute, the Texans almost beat the Patriots at home. They're getting 10 points. I think it's what I like to call an MOG, a mother of God game. I think the Colts get right against the Texans, and they're just one game back if the Bills knock off the Titans here, and I think they're going to make a run. Last one. Now is the time, John, to buy CEH in Dynasty. Look, I did not like CEH when he was drafted by the Chiefs. I only saw one year of real production at LSU. He's diminutive. He had trouble getting in on the goal line, but the hate has gone too far. They are invested in him. I don't think Daryl Williams is a long-term solution. Left Bell came in, tried to steal some work. He couldn't. I know he's injured, but when he comes back, he's going to be the guy. And even if in the future they get a goal line back or somebody to take those targets, he's tethered to Patrick Mahomes for the rest of his career. You are the dynasty guy buying CEH right now. Am I crazy?
1: A little bit. And it all depends. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite segment.
2: I love it. I love it.
1: All right, so no, not entirely, but here's what it boils down to. What it boils down to is what do they do? How do they respond to the CEH injury? If they bring in someone like Marlon Mack that can really push for competition there and does have success on the goal line, Mm -hmm. then I'm a little more concerned. So now is the time to buy, but you're, you're, you're playing a risky game. Because if they don't grab someone like that, if they don't add someone that can really challenge him, then I believe he returns to that role. The goal line situation still has to get figured out, but we know Mahomes is prone to shovel past his way into happy land yeah. there anyway. So I, I do like the fact that Ceh put together two really solid games there and then you know followed that up with, unfortunately, the injury. Now is a good time to find someone that's frustrated with him. Now is the time to try to acquire him, and if they don't bring in someone to actually compete with him, then yes, you got yourself a steal but that's the risk you're paying if you're if you're going after him if you don't get him on the dirt cheap.
2: the what I'm saying John, I, I get all that of course and, and with some of these I exaggerate but I do think there's a niche for him to be James White Light in that offense, even if I, he may thrive and be more efficient, if they get another running back, he may just be miscast right now as the main rusher. I just don't think they're going to give up on him. That's my point.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to give up on him either. I just don't see enough from Patrick Mahomes and that short yardage Alex Smith dump off to make me confident that he's going to alter his game plan to accommodate the skill set that CH does bring to the table. He is absolutely stellar in that short yardage, get him in space kind of game. He's better there than he is between the tackles. And they're just not utilizing that to, to his potential. And that's, that's part of my concern.
2: John is urban Meyer getting fired after this game over
1: in the pond there against Miami. This is getting kind of out of hand, isn't it? I think <laughs> yeah. we all had questions uh, coming in about how he would do transitioning to the NFL he said and, he's
2: not involved with the players on the field he doesn't micromanage it what
1: yeah I don't understand like these are grown men that get paid okay you've got to <laughs> earn a sense of respect from these guys as opposed to the to the 18 19 year olds that were under your wing at the college level, and you've got to approach them differently. You can't approach them the same. You've got to build a rapport. You build a rapport with your team, they will fight for you. And I don't see that as happening right now. I don't know if the, the, the investments they made in the first round picks tied to his coaching staff, I don't know if that gives him a longer leash or not, but he certainly made his point to shorten it, in what we've seen so far, I I don't agree with like the Carlos Hyde thing at the beginning of the season. Why were you giving him that much work (laughs) when you've got James Robinson? Like, I don't understand what his mentality is for running the show the way he is right now. And I think he's, he's got to make some changes on his level before he expects his team to make some changes that could result in some W's in the win column.
2: I think you were on team Kyle Pitts. I was not. In seasonal leagues. So I feel like this last game that Atlanta had against the Jets is sort of a tipping point. I can say, listen, this was it. Kyle Pitts, something like the fourth most receiving yards of any tight end through five games, and he broke out and he played great, had the touchdown, the whole thing over 100 yards. Or I can say, John, it's over in London. Weird things happen. No Calvin Ridley, no Russell Gage. If he wasn't going to break out against the Jets, he's never going to. I think he's going to revert back to his first couple games for him. Where are we at now with Kyle Pitts in your mind after that performance against the Jets?
1: I think it's a turning point. Um, I think we expected we expected more out of this offense as a whole. That's Matt Ryan. That's Calvin Ridley. That's That's Kyle Pitts as well. And we haven't really seen that come to fruition. So you're you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. We've got no Calvin Ridley. We've got no Russell Gage. Uh, Zacchaeus is just a guy, and their best playmaker to date is a thirty year old return man slash running back slash wide receiver. Um, yeah, th- this game was set up to be a Kyle Pitts game. You had to trust him there. And I, but I believe he showcased what he's capable of. They moved it and I don't have the uh, alignments or the the routes in front of me right now, but from the eye test, they had him in different places on the field, as opposed to just kind of sticking into that, that typical tight end kind of triangle there. So I, I do, I did see a lot more of Hurst blocking than I had previously noticed. So I think this is a, a, a good A good game for for the Pitts Truthers crowd, which, yes, I I was big on Kyle Pitts. I I think he's an absolute talent. I want to see what they do moving forward, which is get both Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts more involved in the same vein in which they used to utilize Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Uh, You got a 1A, 1B type situation. They've got to get him involved there more. I I can't, I don't think we as a, a fantasy community continue to expect uh Cordero Patterson to continue to produce the level he's produced so far. So I do think they've got to lean more on Pitts and that means getting him kind of out of that that typical tight end zone and starting to line him up more in some other places which they did.
2: Yeah, at this point if you look at PPR fantasy points per game, Kyle Pitts is the tight end 7. Now that's after a very slow start. He has 60.8 PPR fantasy points if he just had, John, two more touchdowns, he would be the tight end four, which is where he was getting drafted at. So really, I I think for people like myself who were against Kyle Pitts, we're kind of in the danger area right now because if this really did jumpstart him, his five games so far this year, tight end 23-8, 23-18, and now three. So even though the start wasn't great, he's still hanging around, right? He's right there where he was getting drafted at.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's relatively close, and what they do moving forward is going to really determine uh, where he ends up. He's he's close because the, the position has gotten just so desolate, and that's kind of a benefit for people that did invest that kind of capital in him on draft day. So I'd like to see how they handle him moving forward, and I think the key is just moving him around a little bit. He's more versatile than, than your typical move tight end, so utilize him. My favorite question
2: of the show I want you to take a guy that you were high on or you were low on in the preseason, like your flag plant. And I want you to say, look, after five weeks, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, maybe it's uncertain. But if I was wrong, here's what's going to happen the rest of the year. Because people always come on the show, they talk about why they like a guy. Say, listen, I really like this guy. If I'm wrong, here's why I'm going to be wrong, whether you like him or hate him. Take e- either either aspect.
1: Yeah, this one's actually pretty easy for me, and anybody who's followed me on Twitter for any amount of time can attest to this. I'm a huge LaVisca Chenault guy.
2: Ah, uh, Yeah, we are too, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I love LaVisca Chenault. He's, he's just an incredible talent at the position. He's more versatile. He's more strong than what he's given credit for. And we saw spurts of that last season. And if I am wrong, it comes down to a couple different things. Has my evaluation of the player changed? No, it hasn't. I still think he's all of those things. I still think he's someone you need to manufacture touches for and get into open space. I believe that. But if I am wrong, it comes down to I put a lot of faith in what we saw last year and what growth could mean developmentally for this season without taking into account the fact it's an entirely different coaching regime. They didn't draft him. They don't have to plan for him because they didn't spend the capital on him. So now they're trying to utilize what's already there and try to kind of maybe stuff him into a pre-made mold and say, these are the routes we want you to run. This is where we want you to focus on. Uh, I believe he's got the talent. I don't necessarily trust the coaching staff to utilize him to his potential, which is mismatched across the field, carries out of the backfield. We haven't seen that this season like we did last season. So I, he's he's the easy answer for me on this one.
2: We love Visca here at Roto-Viz. Wide receiver 42, 108, and 53 to start the year. We're very disappointed. Then we have that Cincinnati game Thursday night, weird things. Catches the 52-yard bomb, which I think threw me off, John because then I heard the coach speak all week that with DJ Chark out, we're going to get him more involved. So I saw it, recency bias by seeing it on Thursday. I heard it. And then what do we get? 73% snap share, which is fine. 23 routes, three targets, one reception last week, wide receiver 63. It was a 58 yarder, which by the way, John got him over his receiving yardage prop. Not that that matters. But uh, (laughs) I, I just, I think that maybe we missed it with Visca. I don't know. They get rid of Urban Meyer. Maybe a new coach recognizes it. But that aggressive, strong slot guy should be used a lot more than he is.
1: I agree. I agree. In fact, I think I want to kind of expound on what you just said. I think between him and Marvin Jones, and we expected an uptick in both, I think between the two of them, there were two receptions. Two for those two guys. And that's just, it's, it's bad coaching at that point.
2: And it's unacceptable at any level. Any way you want to look at it, it's unacceptable. I have not been a Kadarius Toney guy, John. We are here in New York, and I just think that Dave Gettleman has messed this whole thing up. I I love Saquon Barkley as a talent. I just think there's a lot of risk taking a running back number two overall, and I was arguing for Sam Darnold, which, and last week excluded, has been pretty good this year. Kadarius Toney came in. He looked a lot like a one-year wonder, but I have to admit, in the two games that he's performed, he's done a nice job here. He had nine targets, six receptions, 78 receiving yards, Wide receiver, 29 against New Orleans. And then last week's nuclear explosion, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 189 receiving yards, wide receiver, five. Where are you ranking him in a dynasty perspective? Because I still am not sure I'm buying in. There's no Shepard. There's no Galladay. He's been banged up. Uh, Darius Slayton's out. No Saquon. Where are you on Tony here in dynasty?
1: Tony is someone that I probably wasn't completely fair to in my preseason evaluation. From the tape that I saw, I did see talent, um, but I, I kind of got that miscast feel, right? Like we did, What like so many people did. I'm not going to uh, include everyone there, but like Justin Jefferson last season or A.J. Brown the season before, where you're like, hey, I love the talent. I don't love the landing spot, and then you turn out to be completely wrong. That's how I kind of feel about Kadarius Toney. Uh, what I saw, the, the, the game two weeks ago was one thing. What I saw... In, in this last week's game was a, a, a player that's obscenely talented. The way he moves on the field, the the smooth and ease in which he gets in and out of his routes. There was that one play where I think he took like four or five steps in either direction. He only gained an extra yard or two, but it was just watching him do it. Like this guy's got moves. This guy's he's got something. So I am kind of moving him up a little bit, but still, I mean, he's in that that you know uh, late 30, early 40 range, you know, somewhere in the, you know, past the Tyler Boyd, Michael Pittman, you know, people that we have like kind of an established target share for, because the big thing is you're absolutely right. Sterling Shepard is a career seven targets a game guy career. That's what he averages just over seven targets a game. You can't just take that away, uh, when he gets back. So I do think they're going to find ways to get him more involved. And he may affect the value of, of Darius Slayton, but I don't think he's going to infringe entirely on what Sterling Shepard has done for his entirety of his career there. So I, I am worth moving him up, but not getting crazy into that that top 30 range. So yeah, I've got him late, late 30s, early 40s. Uh, give me a
2: favorite video game growing up.
1: This one's pretty easy for me. The first game that I got really like completely immersed into was probably final fantasy seven.
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, final fantasy. Of course. Yeah. Great game. So many cool things. I've had people go a wide variety. I've had the youngins talk about games that recently came out. Makes me feel old, but final fantasy is a solid one for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That four discs. You had to change the disc out. Yeah. That was, that was back in the day for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: DFS plays. So let's take a look at each position here. DraftKings Kings our fan FanDuel, however you want to do it. I'm looking at a quarterback here that maybe has some good value. We don't know the status of Daniel Jones against the Rams. Uh, you know, a couple names that jump out and pick one or a different one. Jared Goff at 5,100 on DK against Cincinnati at home. Uh, Carson Wentz against Houston, of course, is very viable. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater at home against the the Raiders is only 5.7. Heck, how about Mac Jones on on Sunday night against – or or Mac Jones there up against the Cowboys. You can go with him at 5.2. Give me a value here, somebody you like here, quarterback, uh, DK or FanDuel in in DFS.
1: We are definitely in the range there. And and the one I'm going to go to here, and it's going to kind of pair up later on, a little foreshadowing for you, Taylor Heineke at 5,800 is facing the Kansas City defense, which is a funnel through the air. And, you know, I think they're the 32nd ranked through the air right now He's 5,800. Yeah, he had an off game last week, but he's been really good in reserve work for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I I really kind of like the value you're getting there at the 5.8K. He's averaging 19.6 DK points a game. I really kind of like him in that spot.
2: Running back now, I don't know the status of Melvin Gordon, I think he's an opportunity there on FanDuel or DraftKings. Jamal Williams, if he's going to play. What do you think about Sony Michelle against the Giants? Uh just so many different directions you can go here. Is Mixon still out? Samajay Pirine against a Civ with the Lions. Give me a value here at running back.
1: A little bit higher up than that, but I really like what I'm seeing at Tony Pollard at fifty six hundred oh. on DK.
2: Good. So
1: that's uh, that that's one I kind of like. And part of it is based on the workload that he's been getting. I mean, 10 plus carries in four or five games. He's averaging a couple targets a game. The Patriots like to take away a facet of the game. That's probably going to be Zeke, who's getting 20 plus carries on the regular right now. I think it's a a pretty good smash spot for Pollard there at that money. Wide
2: receiver. You can go with some of the Rams. Maybe Van Jefferson catches one. He's only three point four on DK. Brandon Cooks was shut down by New England, no surprise, but now he goes to the Colts indoors, always dangerous for him. Adam Thielen in a bounce back is down to 5.8. McCall Hartman, any interest there? Give me a chance. Maybe Darnell Mooney gets unleashed against the Packers at home with Fields. Uh, Give me a value at wide receiver.
1: I kind of like Mooney there at the 4.3K, but the one I had penciled in here is Rondale Moore Ah, uh, at at Cleveland. Uh, 4.6K, not a bad price for it. He's, he's got the explosive ability, uh, one of those get the ball in space kind of things. I know it's kind of crowded right now, but I think that's going to be a good effect on the ownership percentage. So I think Rondell Moore is kind of a good value at the 4.6K there.
2: I don't want to lead the witness on the next one, but I'm just going to throw my opinion out. Last one here is tight ends. Folks, Hunter Henry is three point nine against Dallas. Uh, just uh, my—that's the guy I'm going to. I think that Janu Smith maybe gets some goal line work, but Henry has been an issue. Caught a touchdown last week as well. Some people like Cole Komet, Evan Ingram, of course, if he can hold on to the ball. Tight end value. What do you say, John?
1: You actually hit the nail on the head for the one I had penciled in. I had Hunter Henry written down. Nice. Uh, the the other one I would mention there is is uh Ricky Seals-Jones. He's yes. 3 3K against the Wash or against the Kansas City defense. I kind of like that spot. I like that money if you're punting at the position. I think that's a pretty good spot to hit him at 3K.
2: All Hunter Henry has done folks is gone from the overall tight end 26 24 18 11 and 5 he has increased each of the first 5 weeks John and I like him at DFS as well if you are in fear factor i have a hope i have a hope John to get like a fantasy football survivor or fear factor going my kids and i and my wife we watch it tomorrow night religiously with with um, with survivor if you were on Fear Factor, what's the one thing that we could ask you to do? And you'd say, you know, it's been fun, folks, but I'm out of here.
1: Snakes. Anything that has to do with snakes, I'm out, man. I'm I'm yeah. done. You want to make me eat some bugs, I'll I'll put some salt and pepper on it and let's do it. But uh, yeah, snakes. I don't do... If it doesn't have legs to break, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm out. Yeah,
2: I, my, I don't like <laughs> flying either. I don't like snakes. I don't like flying. I don't like bees. So one of my good friends, wife used to say, "You're you're not snakes on a plane. Your idea of a terror movie is snakes on a plane with bees. Yes, that yeah. is my idea of of hell. Is that yeah, what that is.
1: So I grew up in Central Arkansas, and there's obviously a lot of you know uh, country guys down there, and, and a couple of buddies of mine back back then. And I said, "Hey, you want to go hunting with us?". I'm like, "Yeah. What are we hunting?". They're like snakes. I'm like, "No, I don't want to go. I don't want to find one by accident. I'm not going to go <laughs> looking for them. No, I don't want to go. I'm not a snake guy. Don't do snakes."
2: New England backfield, I have to tell you, I have Damian Harris in my home league. I loved him in the flex position. I got him late, and he just can't hold on to the ball. His fumble cost them the loss to Miami. He fumbled the ball in the end zone against Houston, and he was vanquished to the bench. Ramonde Stevenson, is J.J. Taylor ever going to be seen again? Brandon Bolden, what are we doing here with the running backs in New England?
1: Yeah, it I feel like this is a question every year. We just get some different names. <laughs> it was right? supposed
2: to be Harris. He just had to hold
1: on to the ball. I know, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm a big Harris guy too. I traded for him in a couple dynasty leagues. Like I really wanted him because I knew that the minute Mac Jones took over, the goal line opportunities would increase. And th- so I'm going I'm going to give him a pass on this last fumble because he was reaching out for the plane. He was I'm I'm going to give him a pass. Now I don't know if Belichick will. That's the case. But yeah. yeah, but I kind of have to give him a pass on that. That's not like a, a a you know you're you're marching down the field and you cough it up. That's a guy trying to make a play, trying to get the score. So I I kind of take that one a little bit differently. JJ Taylor, I don't know what to do with him. Like preseason hero, but he has not looked good when given real work. I think he's going to be in a milk carton pretty soon. Ramondre is someone that I want to stash in. Ramondre and, and bolden i want to stash those bolden is kind of that deep stash in dynasty like i want pieces of that but i think i think damian harris retains that that lead dog role between the tackles i think he's shown enough there but between the odd injuries and the coffin it up i i think he knows he's got to shore that up and it's hard for me to completely blame him for that last fumble um but yeah, I, I still want Damian Harris, and I don't think they figured out who that James White replacement is going to be. I think it's going to be Bolden. Um, that's why he's my kind of kind of my deep stash. I don't know that it's worth rostering right now unless you're in a really deep redraft league. But for Dynasty, I want shares of him.
2: It's fascinating to see what Belichick's going to do because Harris, 14 carries, 58 yards, 4.1 a carry, and the touchdown before the fumble. After that, didn't see him. But Ramondre Stevenson, 11 carries, 23 yards, only 2.1 yards per carry. Bolden, who's not going to be the every down back, two carries, 25 yards, 12 and half yards a carry. So if you go by the numbers, it's going to be Harris. But if he sticks to his Mendetta, Stevenson's going to get a nice chance here against the Cowboy defense that he should be able to get some things going against. It's going to be very, very interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. John, I can't thank you enough. This time flew by as I knew it would. Last question, and then we will get you out of here. I want the John Hesterman bold prediction for the rest of the year. Give us something here that can help people win their seasonal league fantasy championship.
1: Javante Williams is going to be a league winner. No, almost like
2: CJ Anderson years ago with the Broncos.
1: Yeah. Brace for a strong second half. He's starting to, they're splitting the work, but he's showing that he's more productive on the work. He's with half the workload. than than Melvin Gordon has been and Melvin Gordon does plenty of things. Well, I'm a chargers fan. I've, I've watched him for years. I, I have nothing against the man, but he is getting towards the end of that, and I, I think they're going to start leaning on Javante more and more as the season goes on. And I think he's going to be a key piece of a lot of lot of championship teams.
2: Folks, follow John Hesterman if you're not already at John underscore Hesterman on Twitter, Dynasty DL Football DFS, at Fantasy Pros. Great guy, great person, great fantasy mind. We will have you back, Mr. Hestman. It is a pleasure to have you on the mailbag.
1: Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it, and I really enjoyed getting to hang out with you, Mike.
2: Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football mailbag, a RotoViz Radio feed contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com we'd love to hear what you think so follow us on twitter at Rotaviz Radio and at randall rant make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10 percent discount on our podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast it's a no brainer folks thanks for tuning in